What's going on, everybody? It's your boy Dylan at the underscore hunt 08. You are tuned in to Thunder Chats. Ho! This is a special day for a couple of reasons. This is my first official episode on Anchor and all the platforms that Anchor distributes on. So, but bringing in the first episode is a good friend of the show. He is now the third time returning guest of Thunder Chats. Uh, taking the lead of my Stat Chasers co-host, Matty Moles. Um, he is the holder of Thunder Chat's guest play record at 2,709 plays. He is a Thunder fan in Seattle. He's a writer for the Thunderous Intentions. He is a member of the Down to Dunk Fantasy Basketball League. He is followed by the likes of Andrew Schlecht, Mikel Barra, and Alex Spears. His latest article on Chris Matthews, the lethal shooter, recently was featured on Bleacher Report. You know him for his brilliant analysis and basketball IQ as Steve Thunderfan on Twitter, the so slammy slayer, the one, the only, Stephen Dolan. Stephen, what's up, man? Oh, my God. That was the, the most glowing things anybody has ever said about me, and I'm blushing. Oh, well, I, I'm sorry to get y'all hot and bothered on my podcast, man. Um, I, I'm sure you appreciated the So Slammy Slayer, but we won't get into that. <laughs> yeah, let's not. Let's not. <laughs> uh, yeah, but Steve, man, I appreciate you coming on, uh, kicking off the Thunder Chats on Anchor in a special way. So I uh, appreciate you coming on, man. Yeah, honored to be here. And uh, take that, Maddie. <laughs> yeah, Maddie, Maddie will be low-key salty about it. He'll He'll message me and be like, we need to do a Thunder Chats episode now. Yeah, he's going to be on the very next one, right? <laughs> All right, man. So uh, I mentioned in the intro, uh, you know, you had an article come out about the lethal shooter, basketball shooter, the lethal basketball shooter, Chris Matthews. Um, so the first question I want to ask you about is what turned you on to lethal shooter? Uh, <laughs> what an interesting first question for you to ask, considering <laughs> it was you. <laughs> Humble brag. <laughs> oh, humble brag, yeah. Well, we're in this group chat together, and and you definitely got the ball rolling. I don't, did you did you see it on Reddit, or do you follow him on Instagram, or how did that work? I follow him on Instagram. Um, he's actually kind of been linked to OKC for a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, you know, I follow like three or four Thunder fan accounts, and there was one guy actually DM'd uh, Chris Matthews and said, you know, like, would love to see you come to OKC or something like that. And he said, stay tuned with eye emoji. So, like, ever since then, like, I've been following him and borderline stalking him on Instagram. But go ahead. All right. And the, and there's that old that old post that from a while back of him in what actually looked like the Thunder facility. I just I, – I couldn't find a way to link that into my article, but that was interesting, right? Oh, yeah, for sure. Uh, so, yeah, between you and then – at OKC Thunder News underscore and at Russ West Russ West season with the SZN that the kids are doing nowadays. Yeah. Uh, the, between the three of you, 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 you're the ones who got me started down the rabbit hole. All right. So enough about me here. Um, let's let's talk a little about Chris Matthews, man. Um, so you mentioned this in, his, in the article. Uh, you know his college stats. He played for two colleges. Uh, uh, Washington State and St. Bonaventure, is that right? Yep, that's right. Washington State. Uh, in, in my state. Yeah, I, I wasn't sure about the Washington State. That was like a – that was a hard swing, but I connected. Um, yep. So, you know, like I said, his stats doesn't scream at you, but how does a so-so shooter in college become one of the most well-known shooting coaches in the world? Well, if you look, as, look at his college stats – 
he got better every single year in college. And I think that's the sign of a person who is really dedicated to the craft. Uh, and, you know, there's an old expression, a, a cliche, maybe even those who can't teach. So I, I don't he he's not very tall. I don't think he has the physical tools necessary to be in the NBA. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and that probably makes it hard to get a shot off. Right. I'm sure his shots were more contested than your average player. But, but the the fact that he improved every year and, and the fact that you can learn how to be a good shooter while being bad at it. You can teach people how to be a good shooter while not being even able to play basketball. Do you remember there was a Netflix documentary about Dirk Nowitzki, mm-hmm. his shot, and the person who helped him perfect it was a physicist. <laughs> I, I bet that physicist can't hit a jumper. So... I, <laughs> It's surprising that the, the the kinds of knowledge that can help you teach somebody how to do a thing well, even when you can. Yeah, hey, that, that's a good point, man. Um, you know, we, we talked a little bit about how, you know, his shooting improved and, you know, those who can't can teach. Um, but, you know, another thing that kind of like, you know, I guess draws people to him as opposed to other coaches, uh, shoot, other shooting coaches, mm-hmm. is uh, his clientele. And uh, of the jumps that all his clients have made, well, for, first of all, why, why don't you go ahead and tell everybody who doesn't know who who has been his notable clientele? Well, look at you with the transitions now. Yeah, boy. <laughs> Learn from the best. <laughs> uh, well, I was only able to find three. And, and NBA players, for, I think, understandable reasons – like you don't want to be the guy who's visiting a shooting coach, right? They're they're all very proud people. They all want to want to seem like they pulled themselves up by their bootstraps, and they did. But so I was only able to find three clients on the internet for sure. In addition to the fourth, which the article was about, uh, and those are Luke Richard Mba Amute of recently Rockets, now the Clippers. It was Michael Kidd Gilchrist of the Hornets and Dwight Howard of every team in the league. <laughs> All right. So uh, of, of those clients, um, who do you think, after their work with Lethal Shooter, whose jumps in their shooting category is most impressive? I think Umba Amute, mostly because as a player attempts more shots, you tend to see their efficiency go down just in general. That's obviously not true of everyone, but in general, that's true. And he attempted 2.8 threes per game with Houston last year after attempting only 1.4 in the previous season. The season previous to that, his last with the Clippers, was his highest at 39%. But for him to still be able to shoot a little over 36% on double that amount of attempts, which... 36%, 36%, like, that's that's league average on that many yeah. attempts. That's a floor spacer. So I think for his attempts to go up that high and his percentage to still stay so high is is a, a real credit to Lethal Shooter. Who, by the way, I don't know if we've said it yet, his his full name's Chris Matthews. I feel like we should get that on the record. Yeah, there, there's a lot of people I know named Chris Matthews, though, and there's also people that have been referenced as Lethal Shooter. So, like, it's kind of crazy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, but, you know, you mentioned, you know, when we was talking about his clients, you said, you know, the fourth one was who the article was about. 
and uh, you know the elephant in the room is that's Andre Robertson. Um, mm-hmm. So what made you? Oh, sorry, wrong question. Dag on it. I did so good with the transition, then I just completely messed it up. <laughs> All right. Anyways, if Lethal Shooter was in fact working with Dre, working exclusively with Dre, what would you want him to work with him the most? I think we'd all be really happy if we'd all be ecstatic if if Drake could become a even a thirty percent three point shooter. Um, that would be a game changer for the team. But I think a more realistic goal is that he just gets his free throw percentage up to a point where he can't be hacked, and that's about the fifty five percent range. That's where a free throw becomes as valuable as a really good possession in the NBA. Um, I, I think the Thunder's offensive rating last season was in somewhere in the 108 range. So if you can get one, if you can get 1.1 expected points per shooting possession on free throws, then that's not the math doesn't work for hacking. So, so I think that's, that's the goal. And for that reason, like, although I think Mbaomute's leap was the highest, I actually think the most important thing to the Thunder is what he did with Dwight Howard. And that's turning him into last year he shot 57.4% from the free throw line, which was his highest since the Orlando days, since since two years before he left Orlando. Um he shot 53% the year before and 49% the year before that. So he's hacking candidate in, in both of those previous years and for the previous seven years. And he turned him into somebody that you can't hack off the court. There you go. And I mean, that that's invaluable uh, for yeah. a team. For a team and like the, the other team know these numbers, right? So like they see that and they're not going to hack somebody who shoots 57% because that's, 1.4 points per possession. That's not not appealing. Yeah, no, it's not it's not a good idea. And you know, that's that's been so important for, you know, the, this Thunder team just because, you know, we didn't really get to that point last season because of Dre's injury. Um mm-hmm. but you know, there was all this talk about, you know, you can't close games with Dre because, you know, yeah, his defense is a game changer, but you know, on offense, they can just do hack a Dre and we don't get a possession. Dre misses the free throw and you know, you, you just can't close with them. So if mm-hmm. they was able to, you know, eliminate the hackadre strategy to where you're able to play Andre Robertson in closing minutes, um, you know, throw him on the best offensive weapon, that's huge for the Thunder. Yeah, and, and I mean, you could play him in the last two minutes, right, because the rule changes. But for the 10 minutes remaining, the two minutes remaining window, as soon as the Thunder get near the bonus – Dre's getting hacked, and any smart team is going to do that. I I know it's annoying, but I would do it if I was the coach. Yeah, I, I hate seeing it, man. It makes for a crappy basketball game. 100% agreed. But, I mean, until the rule changes, you know. Yeah, I, I know what you mean. Um, Now, uh, wasn't there a tweet uh, previously, I guess, uh, it was in – oh, it was when Houston was hacking Dre. Uh, yep. In- when Dre's last playoff appearance, Lethal Shooter actually tweeted about working with Dre in the free throw. Yep. Yep. And uh, uh, he, and then the uh, the snip that he posted on Instagram of his computer with 
one of the clips that he selected shows that he it's actually one of the games that he was using to work on Robertson's form, which I think is a good idea, right? Because you see the flaws in someone's mechanics in moments of stress like that. And his confidence is clearly shaken. So if you can find the things that he does wrong when he's scared, that's how you can really correct his form. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, the whole article was awesome, but I just have to commend you on being able to find the exact games uh, for, you know, for both of those clips. Because I'm going to be honest, I thought one was a Thunder game and I thought the other one was like a Rockets game because, you know, the mm-hmm. pixelation, the orange kind of looked red to me. I, I yeah. didn't even imagine Thunder was wearing white. So, like, great investigative reporting by you, Stephen Dolan. Thank you. Well, it helps that they were both memorable uh, moments. And because I assumed going in that they were going to be misses, right? You don't you don't study the makes if yeah. you're shooting. And misses are really hard to find in highlights. <laughs> so, yeah, with the first one, I recognized the court. It had that plain wood lane. And then with the second one, I, I recognized the team. And, uh, yeah, I just went from there. There you go, man. Speaking of investigative reporting, man, you dissected Andre Robertson's travel schedule in the summer, and you pinpointed where in between two of Andre Robertson's destinations that lethal shooter could have worked with Andre Robertson. So, like, what, what, what inspired you to correlate that? Because, like, you know, I saw the post and, you know, it was just enough for me to get excited that he was possibly working with Dre and the Thunder. But you was like, nah, fam, I need destinations. I need all this. What inspired you to do that? Well, it would have helped if Andre Robertson didn't go and delete his entire Instagram history. What's that about? (laughs) Yeah, It had some people freaking out, that's for sure. Yeah, I I know. (laughs) Uh, Well, it, it started with those clips we were just talking about from lethal shooters instagram page where i was able to find what those clips were and then i was able to say well this is definitely andre robertson that he considers a client and so then i just wanted to see if dre was in town when he was in town uh so i found this article in new zealand which worried me because the article was dated august 24th for some reason which was the day i was writing so i was like uh that's no good if he's halfway across the world all all the way across the world, then he's probably not been in town in the last couple of days. Yeah. But then I saw that Robertson had his camp on the 24th, so that didn't make sense. And then the background of the interview he was having was of Stephen Adams's camp, which he was known to be at. So I looked up that date, and it was on Facebook, and it was just a huge sigh of relief. And then when I came across when Andre Robertson's camps were – and where they were like it just it just kind of all fell into place you know it was great there you go man i mean like i said i mean you went you went super in depth in this article like i was i had to go back and read it a couple times just so i could digest all the information but like (laughs) it it, it was awesome man um so you know you, you touched on in the article how you know not many teams have shooting coaches um And obviously, Dre was the subject of that post. And, you know, he said, you know, I, I think in the post, he even said working with one of my clients. Mm-hmm. So that would indicate, you know, just Andre Robertson. But 
like I said, you know, he's been linked with the Thunder. Um, the Thunder have, you know, kind of been looking for a shooting coach. If he became the shooting coach for the Thunder, are there any other players in particular you'd like to see him help their shot? Yeah, and I, I, he actually – did you see he tweeted today that he's working with some mysterious person on the Sixers. Did you see that? Probably Marco Fultz. I didn't see it, but I wouldn't be surprised. It, it better be Marco Fultz. Say it. Well, you know, Ben Simmons. They've got their share of people that That's need to help me. Uh, but, you know, as far as the Thunder, I mean, uh, of course, like Russ, Steven Adams, Jeremy Grant, the new guy, Hami, right? I know, I know you know yeah, buddy. his stroke. Uh, and that just kind of all feeds back into something that was one of the more puzzling things about why the Thunder don't have a shooting coach, which is, which is the type of player that Presti loves to draft. Yeah, for sure, man. And, you know, I mean, you covered that in your article, too. You know, you talked about how Presti always drafts length, athleticism over all else. And, you know, they just kind of trust that you'll learn how to shoot. Well, if you're trusting that you'll learn how to shoot, it, you know, it makes sense to bring in a shooting coach. So um, I, I feel like Presti, O'Donovan, the Thunder, you know, everybody has kind of gone through a, a huge learning experience through Kevin Durant leaving, having to reshape this team multiple times to where I, I think this team, how it's made up right now is exactly, you know, what they're looking for. Like, um, you know, after KD left and they've said, you know, we need to build a team around Russ's strength. This is the kind of team they was thinking about. So, you know, I, it's like they're kind of going back and correcting all their mistakes. So it wouldn't shock me if, you know, he was hired to be the shooting coach. Um, that being said, uh, I don't know. I, I, well, I'm sure you've seen Russell Westbrook has been tearing up off-season workouts. He he appeared in Chris Brickley's uh, Black Ops basketball like a couple times last summer. But other than that, yep. he did his own personal stuff. But mm -hmm. he's been all over Rico Hines' uh, workouts. I think he was at the Remy Court runs a couple times, Chris Johnson hoops. So, I mean – he, he's been all over the place, and obviously he's a nuclear athlete. Um, but one thing that's been very evident in every video I've seen is his jumper is looking as smooth as I've ever seen it. Um, you know, mid-range, three-point line, like he's shooting that thing with confidence. Do you think it's possible that Russell Westbrook's a lethal shooter? I, I think that – I think I agree with everything you just said. And the amount of pickup basketball that he's playing this summer is a testament to his health, right? Mm -hmm. Because last season you didn't see it. And we all know he had his knee scoped right before the season started. So he can't have been feeling great during the season. So I, I always had this theory last year that his free throw woes and, and just his sluggish shooting start to the season was because his shoulder muscles got too big. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> and if he wasn't able to get out there and play pickup, right, he was probably just – with the work ethic he has, he was probably just in there pumping weights <laughs> all off season. So <laughs> that, That's true. I think there's something there. I, there's no way to write an article on that. But I, I – he just – he looked like he couldn't raise his arms above his head last season. <laughs> um so what, what do you think man you think it's possible because you know russ is he's a private person like you know he'll 
he'll post the video of him singing in the morning on Instagram and, you know, he'll post videos of his family and he'll post videos of, you know, his why not foundation or the, uh, his Russell Westbrook basketball camp. But other than that, Russ doesn't really post that much on social media. He doesn't let people know what he's doing. Um, So how possible do you think it is that he's met with a lethal shooter? Well, his jumper looks good. Like he said, he's, it looks like he's shooting it on the way up a little bit more earlier in his career. He, he would struggle with kind of shooting on the way down. And I think that was a real problem for his shot. So he's definitely working on it. Uh, Man, if I could have found something that linked Westbrook to Lethal Shooter to put in that article, that would have been the the big story breaking. But I couldn't find anything. Now it's possible. It's definitely possible. But I when I when I got into looking for who those clips on Lethal Shooter's computer were, I I was hoping with all my might that one of them was going to be Westbrook, but I couldn't find it. Uh, yeah, it's possible. And if, if the Thunder are indeed considering hiring him, then I I think Russell Westbrook has a has a hand in every decision the organization makes. So that that is true. That is true. That's absolutely true. And you know, I mean you talked about how he took a dip in his shooting and free throw percentage and of course his three point percentage and you know, going in through the exit interviews, Sam Presti said that's a point of emphasis that Westbrook's wanting to work on this summer is his uh, three-point shot, catch-and-shoot threes in particular. So, mm-hmm. um, I mean, it, it, you know, it all lines up. Yeah, it all lines up. It seems too perfect for it not to be. Uh, I guess at this point, we'll just, we just have to sit down on our hands and wait. <laughs> yeah, it would be great. As far as I can tell, though, Russ was in L.A. this this last week when Lethal Shooter was in town. Now, that yeah. doesn't mean they work together, but that it kind of means they weren't working together this week. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. But, you um, know, if you, the, if you were the Thunder and you were actually interested in hiring this guy, you'd want to ask him, what would you do with Russell Westbrook? So I'm sure they asked him while he was in town. For sure, because, you know, I mean, he was already, like we said, you know, he was already tweeting about what he, exactly what he would do with Andre Robertson yep. um, you know, before it was even a thought, so. Yeah, I, I can definitely see it. All right, I've, I've talked about Russ too much. Uh, he wasn't even in this article. I apologize. Let's get back to your we article. We can't talk about Russ too much. <laughs> this is true. Can't talk about Russ too much. Um, but you talked about uh, Chris Matthews' fit in OKC in terms of his ideology and values. Talk a little bit more on that. Well, the the thing that struck me really was just the energy with which he speaks. It's it's his cadence is very fast. It's very positive, and it's very his energy is energetic. You know, like he he talks about hard work and commitment and family and and struggle, and these are all things that the Thunder organization have as central tenets to their organization. Uh, he, he talks in a lot of cliches, and we all know that all Thunder players ever have been full of try to get better every day, you know? Oh, yeah. So I just think that if, uh, if, if they were ever looking for a shooting coach, he has the attitude they'd be looking for in one. All right, man. Um, last question I've got for you is what mm-hmm. is your definitive prediction? What is Stephen Dolan of the Thunder's intentions 
definitive prediction regarding Lethal Shooter and the Oklahoma City Thunder? My the only opinion I'm comfortable making is that he's definitely working with Andre Robertson and that the organization is aware of that, has met with him about that, and is fine with the things that he's teaching him. This isn't an organization that allows their players to just go out and do whatever without being aware of it. So I think that whatever he's doing with Dre, they know about it and they're fine with it. And if the reports that he is receiving interest from multiple NBA teams is actually true, then I think the Thunder have to be added to that list of teams that are recruiting him. For sure. And uh, I got one more question. Um, do you think that the Thunder could be using Andre Robertson as uh, a sort of tryout, if you will? Like, you know, we'll let you work with Dre. You know, because, I mean, how worse can you make his shot, actually? Um, so we'll let you work with Dre. And, you know, if we see improvement, then we'll bring you on, you know, during the season, next off season, something like that. What do you think about that? I think uh, Lethal Shooter definitely has to be viewing it in that way, right? Um, I think it would be a smart thing to do, and that's a good idea. So I hope they're doing that. I, I the, If any team in the league can use a shooting coach, it's the Thunder, and they do everything so smart. They're, they're one of the smartest teams in the league, and it's just well-known. And the fact that they don't have a dedicated shooting coach is a real gap. I I hope they recognize it, mm-hmm. and that's easy for me to say that they're smarter than I am. So I'm sure they recognize it, and maybe they think Darko is is doing a good enough job with it. But it can't hurt, right? And yeah. despite what everybody thinks, the Thunder are not cheap. So if they identify a need, they're going to fill it, and I hope that this is one that they'll fill. All right, there you go. And again, guys, you can check out that article. Um, what What's the title of that article, Steve? Uh, OKC Thunder Connected to Lethal Shooting Coach. All right, OKC Thunder Connected to Lethal Shooting Coach. That is on Thunderous Intentions. Definitely look that up. And, uh, yeah, educate yourself a little bit more on Lethal Shooter. It goes really in-depth, a lot of stuff we didn't cover, so you'll just have to check it out yourself. All right, Steve, uh, moving on, man. You know, last time we had you on was uh, briefly after Paul George and Jamie Grant re-signed. Uh, I think at that point, Nervous Noel signed. Um, but Carmelo was still a member of this team. Kyle Singer was still a member of this team. Uh, so we're gonna, we're just going to touch base a little bit with some Thunder stuff going on. That cool? Yeah, lots changed. That, that was a great day, though, the, the day you just listed. But, but yeah, let, let's go. <laughs> Yeah, it was it was an amazing day. All right, um, don't don't understate it, Stephen. Come on now. Uh, all right, first thing, big news dropped today. Kyle Singler stretched and waved over the next five years by the Oklahoma City Thunder. Um, mm-hmm. Thunder Twitter collectively rejoiced. Stephen Dolan did not. Why did you not rejoice? That's accurate. I did not rejoice. Now I'm not sad about it yeah (laughs) like no bring Kyle Singler back no no thank you Uh, but 
Yeah, I mean, like, I, I get it. Uh, uh, they reported that OKC is going to save $23 million this season. And that'll be mitigated a little bit, right? Because each $1 million for the four years after this season are going to cost $1 million plus tax. So I don't know, maybe 10, $10 million or something like that, depending on what changes. So it's not the full 23 in the long run, but it is this year. And look, I, like I said, I understand it from the owner's point of view. If it was my money, I would have done it too. I get it, but I'm not happy about it because as bad as he was, he was a $5 million expiring contract and nobody in the league has cap space, save maybe two teams and Mm -hmm. several teams in the league are fighting to get under the tax line and $5 million expiring around the trade deadline. Like that was an asset. Mm -hmm. As far as I'm aware that 5 million is prorated over the year. Right. So by the time the trade deadline rolls around, you've already paid him two thirds of it. Mm -hmm. So you're not going to save the money. Um, You might come out even in the long run. I don't know, but I just feel like uh, that was one of the few remaining trade chips that we had that we didn't value in any way. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I mean, I, I mean, I I had the same thinking as you did. I mean, at that point, if you could keep him to the deadline and you flip him for a second rounder, that's better than nothing. Yeah, for sure. And I, and I actually I saw a report by a guy named Ryan Bernardoni who is on Twitter at danger cart. Nice. And he said that Kyle Singler being signed before the new CBA came into effect, made him what he called quote, a super, uh, super expiring, mm-hmm. which, which is the fact that in under the new CBA, once you trade for an unguaranteed contract, you have to finish the season with that traded player before you can waive them and not pay them. But contracts like Kyle Singler's, which are signed under the previous CBA, don't have that stipulation in them. So a team could have traded for him next season or in this offseason and then waived him before his contract became guaranteed and immediately dumped that $5 million. So... Like in light of that, like I, I, I'm a little shocked that they couldn't find a partner. But I guess they just must have done the calculations and and realized that whatever they get back isn't worth twenty three million dollars. And again, I don't blame them, but it's not my money. So as a person who just wants to see the team get better, I wish they hadn't done it. But I get it. Yep. I mean, and you know, I mean, we we know Sam Presti. The dude is brilliant in the trade market and he's going to leave no stone left unturned so if the thunder make this deal um with the coast of sam presti then you have to believe that there literally was literally was no other choice at this point yeah at this point but and i mean i think my main point with the super expiring thing is that if they had held on to him throughout this entire year and then traded him after the season or at the draft or something Mm-hmm. That's $5 million immediately off a team's books. 
So that's where his real value was, is in this next offseason. But just to get there would have cost $23 million. So I get it. But again, as it's not my money, I wish they had used it in that way. But it's fine. I understand, man. Um, all right, moving on about Kyle. We talked entirely too long. We dedicated too many minutes to Kyle Sinclair and his man, bud. You can never talk. You can never talk uh, less about Kyle Singler. Well, I, I, I can yeah. almost promise you this is the last time I'll ever mention Kyle Singler on the podcast. Well, that's funny because the specter of his contract is going to loom over this team for the next four years. This is true. I'll probably mention him angrily. <laughs> All right, uh, so we talked about Sam Presti and how he leaves no stone unturned and how, you know, he's a monster in the trade market. Um, obviously, Carmelo, you know, the reports came out that he waived his no-trade clause, not for a specific team. He waived it outright. You know, he was working with the Thunder to try to find a suitable partner so he can get what he wants and the Thunder can get what they want. Um, you know, Thunder was linked to Jeremy Lin, um, and, you know, fans had us linked to – Kent Bazemore to, uh, you know, Miami Heat with Tyler Johnson, James Johnson, you know, he was linked all over the place. But Sam Presti got a better deal than I could have imagined uh, in terms of the talent that we got back mm-hmm. um, and also a prospect um, that we got back. So, I mean, Sam Presti does what he always does, man. You know, we come up with these hypothetical trades. We limit Presti and his ability, and then he just comes and shows us up. <laughs> <laughs> that's so but, true <laughs> but you know the trade was three-way deal thunder trade carmelo anthony the hawks trade mike muscala to the sixers and Dennis Schroeder to the oklahoma city thunder and then the sixers traded justin anderson to the hawks and timothy Wawu-Cabarro back to the thunder so we ended up with Schroeder and tlc because if i say it again i'm gonna mess it up um but you i don't uh, yeah, I'm good for one time. Uh, I've gone on record numerous times, uh, Thunder Chat, Stat Chasers, and on my Twitter, um, saying that I think Dennis Dennis Schroeder is the front runner to win Sixth Man of the Year. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I, I mean, I hope you don't take it the wrong way that I say I don't even think that's a particularly hot take. You know, I, I think he – could be considered the front runner going into this season. We all know how how much narrative goes into those end of season awards, right? Mm-hmm. Like uh, Russell Westbrook averaging a triple double was obviously a huge deal, and I think his his clutch performances were a bigger deal, despite what the internet thinks. But mm-hmm. I think the fact that KD had just left is the number one reason that he got that MVP. Um, so with Schroeder being starting caliber point guard, trying to get a fresh start, if he's if he's willing to accept his role and just be the super sixth man and maybe finish some games, then I think there's no reason he can't overtake, what, Lou Williams? He, he might start <laughs> yeah. or Jamal Crawford, who's not even on a team. Those are the perennial ones. Um, I don't even know who would be in the competition with Schroeder well, this year, honestly. Well, my boy Stu Gardner 
my boy Stu Gardner would uh, be currently shouting Fred Van Fleet of the Toronto Raptors. Um, You know, maybe Terry Rozier. But he doesn't score enough. It's a scoring award. Mm -hmm. That's true. I mean, you know, it doesn't really go to somebody who, like, I guess blends in with the bench. It goes to a guy that stands out on the bench. Um, And, you know, I think Shrew could do just that. You know, like you said, he's a starting level point guard. Um, coming off the bench for the Thunder. He's a 20-point scorer, and, you know, he was playing extended minutes for the Hawks. He was asked to be essentially their offense. Um, and the fact that he's about to, you know, he's going to be the offense for our second unit going against second unit guards, um, you know, it, it, I mean, it just blows my mind. I mean, you know, what do you do scoring the basketball? Um, how good he is in the pick and roll with partners in Nervous Noel and Jeremy Grant? Like, I, I think that's going to be huge for him. Um, you know, he's got shooters with uh, Brenes, TLC, Ferguson on the on the sides. Um, uh, shoot, what was I saying? Oh, and defensively. You know, he gets a bad rap defensively uh, first time in Atlanta, and rightfully so. But like I said, you know, this guy was asked to literally be, like, Dennis Schroeder, you are Atlanta Hawks offense. Mm-hmm. Like, we don't score a goal unless it runs through you. And we're, we have to play you. 38, 40 minutes a night for us to have a chance, you know, to compete. So you're asking a guy to literally like put his heart on the ground on offense for 40 minutes a night. And then you want him to be a good defender. You want him to have the energy to be a good defender. No, I I don't think so. I mean, uh, you know, I expect him to play 20, 22 minutes, maybe off the bench. I I don't know. I'm I'm bad with numbers. Um, But, uh, you know, like I said, he's going to be playing less. He's going to be playing against second-unit guys, playing shorter spurts. I don't think there's any reason to think that, you know, he could play a little bit of defense. I've watched some highlights. He's picked some dudes up half-court and played respectable defense. So, I think people might be sleeping on his defense, and I think that he could really be, um, you know, the key to unlocking the OKC's bench. Yeah, and, uh, you know, that ties back into what I was saying earlier about Umba Mute, the fact that when your attempts and or usage in this case go up, most players take a dip in efficiency. And that's part of the reason why none of the league appreciated James Harden as much as he deserved before that trade was made. Mm-hmm. That's That's part of the reason that Russell Westbrook's MVP season was so incredible because he took such a hike in efficiency or uh, sorry, a hike in um, usage and didn't lose his efficiency. In fact, it was his best shooting year of his career, which is hopeful to return. Yeah. Um, It's also part of the reason that I hope Jeremy Grant's role doesn't change too much in this upcoming season. All right, man. Transitioning right there. I see what you did there with that pause. Um, you know, there's there's one of the big conversations around the Thunder throughout this entire offseason uh, amongst all the signings, the trades, and the stretching waves is who is going to be starting at the four? Patrick Patterson, Jeremy Grant. Everybody has their takes. Everybody defends their takes. Uh, NBA 2K released their starting lineups, and Jeremy Grant was starting. Everybody's like, oh, see, Jeremy Grant's starting. It's like, no, Jeremy Grant's just a higher-rated player than Patrick Patterson, so they're just going to put him in starting lineup. They I agree. That information. Um, yeah. But what 
does Stephen Dolan think? Who does Stephen Dolan thinks starts at the four? I think Patrick Patterson's going to start at the four, and and that's really just informed by things I've heard from, you know, Royce Young when he was on I forget which podcast and said that's what he and he knows <laughs> infinitely more than I do. So I, I think that's the case. I also think it's who I would prefer to start. Mm-hmm. I think the spacing in that starting lineup is so much more important than his spacing would provide to the bench, who's already going to have Abrinas or Ferguson or both. And, uh, you know, like Westbrook needs that spacing more than anybody needs anything. Right. I mean, he's already going to have Dre out there and he's going to have Steven Adams out there and Paul George is awesome. Mm-hmm. Uh, so whoever that fifth guy is going to be, I think needs to be able to space the floor. However, the Thunder have tended toward defensive lineups to start the game in the past. So yeah. we'll see. I mean, maybe that was just a Scott Brooks thing, or maybe it's an organizational philosophy thing. But I'd like to see Patrick Patterson out there. Yeah, the, I mean, oh, go ahead. The thing that's interesting to me is that everybody seems so sure that Jeremy Grant's going to be the one finishing games. And I kind of question that. I I wonder why the difference would be at the end of the game. Why is defense considered more valuable at the end? And Patrick Patterson's not a bad defender. He's a good defender. So I, I wonder if Jeremy Grant, unless his three-point shooting can become better, I wonder if he might not just best be used as somebody who obliterates bench lineups and is Dennis Schroeder's bat, uh, Robin to Dennis Schroeder's Batman on the bench. I don't know. Yeah, for sure, man. Um, I mean, you know, you're saying, yeah, I mean, you're echoing all, all the things I've said before. Um, so, you know, we're on the same page here. And, you know, you talk about Patterson's defense. You know, when Melo went down in Golden State, and, you know, Russ and Paul George carried us, off, carried us offensively. Patterson was called on in the closing minutes of that game, and he got switched on to Steph Curry, and Curry's eyes got big. He's like, this is my moment. I'm about to chew him up. And Patterson made a play on the ball, blocked the shot, and from then it was curtains, man. So, yeah. Patterson, Patterson is a very capable defender. Um, I think much like Alex Abrinas, Patterson is a rhythm kind of player. And much like Alex Abrinas – uh, Billy Donovan did not play Patrick Patterson in any way, shape, or form where he could catch a rhythm. Um, and, you know, uh, Royce has talked about this. I think it was on Low Post that he was talking about this. Um, yeah. But uh, he's talked about how, you know, before Melo came in, that was Patterson's spot. Like, you know, Patterson signed before the Melo deal. He signed a three years. He signed for, you know, a below market value contract. Um, with the understanding that he was going to be the starting point guard. He was going to be the stretch forward that could play defense, make quick decisions with the basketball. And then Melo came, and, you know, I mean, Patterson, uh, he understands that Melo was supposed to be a better player than him. Um, and so, you know, he stepped down because, you know, that, that's just Patterson. You know, he's, uh, he's a low-drama kind of guy. Um, and then as far as Jeremy Grant goes, uh, you know, I think one of the big reasons he was able to have the season he did last year, which, you know, just looking back at the season, the jump and the development that he made from mm-hmm. the beginning to the end is just 
absolutely absurd. Because, I mean, they talk about him down to dunk all the time. Andrew Schleck was like, you know, he was saying, is Jeremy Grant an NBA player at this point? And, mm-hmm. yeah, and I mean, he, he completely turned it around. Um, and not – no, go ahead. And it happened so quickly. Yeah, That's for all. sure. For sure, man. And, and you know, the, the big improvements is ball handling. Um, because, you know, before – I remember when the Thunder first got him, if he wasn't shooting a three, he was trying to dunk everything. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, he, incre- he increased his ball handling. He increased uh, his, his touch around the rim. I, I can't tell you how many M ones he finished. You know, he was able to finish through contact, which is weird because, you know, he's, he's not the biggest guy on the NBA court. Um, and then also, you know, he was able to uh, increase his playmaking ability. You know, he'd get down court and guys, you know, wouldn't jump. And he, he'd realize that, you know, it's not a good idea to go up. And he, he could make a play. He could pass it out and not turn the ball over, which was proved to be invaluable towards the end of the year. Um, so and, – and I think the reason that he was able to do that so well is because he was playing back at five um, mm-hmm. for us last year. And his move was he'd get the ball and he'd have a quicker first step than any back at five in the league. And from there, it was, you know, just finishing over who challenges you at the rim or passing back out to make a play. Um, obviously, he probably won't play back at five this year with Nerlens, but I would still wager to say Jeremy Grant's quicker than most back at fours. Um, so I see Ryan Anderson and <laughs> David West, you know, like if he decides to come back, he's going to see people like that. And, and, and a lot of smart people say that the reason that his finishing improved so much is that he did a lot of work on his core and his balance, mm-hmm. which I've always found really interesting. Those are things you just don't hear a lot about. Like he's just been doing ab workouts out here and that's why he's finishing <laughs> in once. That's so cool. <laughs> that, that is funny. And you know, that, that, I mean, that's something that I've said before too. Like, you know, like I said, he went through like, you know, three big improvements, the ball handling, um, and being able to finish and then, uh, you know, the playmaking and all that is contributed to his core balance because I remember his first year, you know, like I said, he'd shoot everything or he tried to dunk everything. When he tried to dunk everything, man, most of the time he missed because he just loses balance and fall over. <laughs> so, yeah, people just fouled him too. Yeah. I mean, yeah, because he's so skinny, he's so skinny. He, if you foul him, he's not going to end one it usually when he's trying to dunk, he just loses the ball. Mm hmm. Yeah, and then, uh, you know, credit to him, too, that a lot of people aren't talking about it. Uh, towards the end of the year, he became – I'm not going to say a threat, but he became a consistent three-point shooter towards the end of the year. You know, like his uh, his season percentage won't reflect that because, again, he struggled early on. But, and, yeah. I mean, you know, just like Russ towards the end of the year, like, you know, they, they really improved from the beginning of the season towards uh, – in terms of shooting the free throw. So – Long, long explanation just to say I agree with you. I think Patterson should start, and I think Jeremy Grant is going to be a weapon off of the bench. Yeah, and I I think that something that should be mentioned when we have the Patterson versus Grant discussion is that if Grant makes any kind of leap during the season, mm-hmm. if he comes shooting 35 36% from three, then – Patterson becomes a real candidate to be traded near the deadline. Uh, he's on a, a very affordable contract, a very good value contract. 
he has a player option for next year, which if he has a good season, he's going to turn it down because people are going to have cap space next season. Mm-hmm. First time in a couple seasons. So uh, that could happen. If Grant has a good season, then Patterson becomes an, an asset around the trade deadline. See, I know it's a possibility, and I, I haven't even thought about it as a possibility just because, you know, Patterson's – he's BBN, man, and I, I don't want him to go. So, you just uh, – you- Yeah, yeah. This whole discussion, you're you're disqualified from this whole discussion as a as a Wildcats fan. <laughs> yeah, you just broke my heart a little bit. But uh, let's get back to the Thunder. Um, if this team is fully healthy, you know, we talked about Westbrook having the scope. Didn't he have PRP injections too before the season? Oh, that's right. You're right. Scope was wrong. PRP injections, right? Uh, Abrinas and Patterson had the scopes. Gotcha. Well, I, I've been saying Patterson had PRP injections. So, all right. Now we got our story straight. Um, you know, Patterson, Russ, and Abrinas all wasn't healthy coming into the season. You know, the story came out about Paul George having bursitis in his elbow, and he also had a scope done on his knee in the, in the offseason. Um, Miller's off the team, so we can forget about that. If this team is fully healthy, um, obviously Dre's an outlier because we don't know when he's going to come back. But I was going to say, don't forget about him. Yeah. <laughs> um, if Let's say – after the all-star break, this team is fully healthy. What is our ceiling? I mean, the ceiling's a championship, right? I mean, the ceiling assumes all the best things in the world for the team happen. And that includes Boogie not being himself and Katie rolling an ankle at, at a critical moment. But assuming health for all teams, it's the conference finals, I think. We're, we're not going to beat the Warriors as much as that hurts me to my soul to say uh, we could beat anybody else anybody could beat anybody else really with how crazy the West is yeah I think that's fair Um, I will say I think this team as constructed is uh, is uh, more capable of matching up with the Warriors uh, defensively comparable to the other team Absolutely. So, I, uh, you know, I'm championship or bust just because, I mean, that's how I am, man. Every year I put, I fill out one bracket in the NCAAs and Kentucky's always the champion. Doesn't matter if we're a one seed or a 16 seed. Um, that's just how I am. I rationalize my team's going to win it. And I think, I mean, I realistically think we have a good chance this year. Um, yeah, definitely. And you had people going into last season when we had Carmelo Anthony or the shell of him at, at the power forward saying, that this is the best team to match up defensively with the Warriors. You had them saying that last year. And this year you're going to find Patrick Patterson or, or Jeremy Grant into that spot. And if it was true last year, it's doubly true this year. Yeah, for sure, man. All right. Well, we, uh, you know, we've talked about some serious stuff, even though we've had a little fun with it. You know we got to play a game when you come on Thunder Chats. So you ready for it? Let's play. All right. This game. It's called Pick Your Poison. I don't really know why I called it that because it's not bad scenarios. It's Let's not play. <laughs> I don't want to pick. <laughs> All right. So, basically what I'm doing is I have players that play uh, similar positions on the Thunder or play similar roles on the Thunder. And uh-huh. – Basically, all you're gonna do is you're gonna you're gonna pick between them. There's like 20 scenarios. So, ready for it? Okay. Yep. 
All right. So first one, just you know, just kind of get you warmed up. Patterson or Grant? Uh, Patterson. All right. Grant or Noel? Grant. Uh, I hope it's Noel. <laughs> All right, Patterson. Well, <laughs> Pat. Well, no context. Yeah, no context in a vacuum. In a, just who I think's better. Uh, yeah, you know, uh, uh, Patterson. I guess that was hard. <laughs> Uh, I, I liked being a part of your thought process there. It was a good time. Well, it's, it's like I. It's interesting that I, Patterson or Grant, I immediately said Patterson. Grant or Noel, I immediately said Grant. But then you say Patterson or Noel, and I, I choke up. There you go. Right. That's I like commutative property of players. I should have immediately said Patterson. <laughs> but, I don't know. It's weird. It's the nature of the game, man. And we're just getting started. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Alex or Brandis or Ferguson? Ferguson. Fer- Ferguson. Ferguson or Hami? Ferguson. For now. All right. I respect it. Hami or Brandis? Uh, Hami. I guess I'm low on a Brandis. I guess that's what I'm discovering right now. There you go. This game is... <laughs> I've too many feelings into him for too long. Yeah, that's that's true. I, I still hope for Brandon's success, man. Uh, he's he's really enjoyable to watch, and he's a fun personality. And he's just got. Oh, God, don't ever hope for his success. I just, <laughs> I don't trust Billy to let him have it. You know, so are yeah. my opinion of players is kind of informed or forced to be informed by the people that I think he's going to play, and that's athletes who play defense. So I, I hope with all my heart that I'm wrong. <laughs> hey, in his defense, though, he, he improved a lot defensively. For or or he, he had a few good games, at least. Yeah, and he dumped on Jordan Bell, so that was fun. Again, if I'm wrong, I'd be, I'd be the happiest I've ever been to be wrong. <laughs> That'd be great. All right, Hami or TLC? Hami. TLC or Ferg? Ferg. TLC or Abrinus? Abrinus. I'll stop there. All right. TLC or Grant? Oh, Grant. All right. Easy. You've asked me. There you go. Stephen Dolan is low on TLC, everybody. (laughs) That's not fair. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I I think TLC is going to get minutes this year. Um, He looks... To me, like he's less athletic than he should be. But if he can shoot well, I mean he he's at least as tall and long as Abrinas. Like he he's a threat. Let me ask you this: you know, two guys coming out tonight with the prelude. Um, so archetypes okay. is on my mind. Um, TLC, you know, if you look at his measurables, um, kind of remind you a little bit. Of Andre Robertson, um, obviously okay. he's got some defensive potential. He's a little bit more developed offensively in terms of shooting. Um, for, uh, say Robertson's not able to go till December, like he's saying, is his target time. Uh, 
would you have TLC starting at that spot, or would you have somebody like Ferguson or Brandis or even Homie starting? Well, the Thunder love to do the thing where they leave the rest of their rotation intact mm-hmm. and start somebody who you'd never think would start. So, yeah, I could see him starting. Um, and, you know, if I, I've been on the record on Twitter as saying, I hope that Andre Robertson doesn't play for the first month or two. Mm-hmm. It's one of the most traumatic injuries that your body can suffer. Anything that involves a ligament is just terrible. I, I've torn my ACL, and I know that I'm so happy I didn't tear a ligament. Uh, so I think giving him a year would be fine. 11 months would be perfect. And I also think that having that month or two of open minutes to give to these young guys, to give to TLC, Hami, Ferguson, Abrinas, if he's still considered young, <laughs> uh, Abdel Nader, you know, just like all these extra minutes to give to people, I think will really help Billy, who we know to be a tinkerer. And if Dre's in for the full season, we're going to see guys getting zero minutes and 10 minutes and two minutes and 15 minutes. And I think just to be able to have those minutes to give to a couple guys consistently can really, really be useful. So I, I hope that they take it super easy with Dre and, and, you know, they're given the Thunder's history. I'm sure they will. All right. That is fair. Um, I don't know if you listened to my last podcast. Oh, no, you did listen to my last podcast. So, you know, I kind of touched on um, people who've suffered the same injury as Dre. And, mm-hmm. you know, it, it kind of varied because, you know, the ages all varied. And, um, you know, some was able to come back like it was nothing. And then some, you know, it just outright ended their career. So, you know, there's not a lot of data in terms of that injury and sports. So, and, and you know, and I also pointed out in the, in the podcast that, uh, you know, the last one that happened was like I think like ten years ago, something like that in basketball. Antonio Bedard yeah, really- most recently, and so you know advances in you know medicine and rehab and all that um, is leaps and bounds from where it was then. So uh, you know we could be overstating it, but I I do like what you're saying. He does need to take it easy just to you know work his way back in. <laughs> I, I mean, I hope it's literally leaps and bounds ahead of where it was. <laughs> All right, back to the game, man. You're starting to start the Christmas period. Um, <laughs> it, this is fun right here. Deontay Burton or Ray Felton? Burton. All right. I, I hope that I hope that the first opportunity that we get that we trade Ray Felton, and not because I don't love him. I love the guy. I I think. He has maybe a year or two left to meaningfully contribute to an NBA team, and I don't think the minutes are there for him on this team. So I hope we get him somewhere where he can 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 play and, and enjoy his last couple of years. Do you think he wants to? Because like, I get I don't know. Yeah, that's maybe if he doesn't, then fine. Like I, I love having him on the team. Yeah. Uh, but if he wants to play, then I hope we afford him that opportunity yeah yeah because you know i mean at the press conference obviously we didn't have shooter at that point 
but you know he, yeah. he expressed his interest in coming back and all that and you know throughout the season you know you heard stories about how Ray took all the young guys under his wing and you know really you know tried to mentor them and how big his presence was in the locker room and got with guys like Nick Collison gone and you know as much as we had said Kyle Singer but Singer you know he he was one of the more longest tenured Thunder players in the locker room so you know, with guys like that gone, uh, it was good to have kind of the like team for about an eternity, right? What is it? He Singler's been on the team for about an eternity, right? Yeah, that's what it feels like. Um, but you know, it, it's good to have that locker room presence, and uh, not only that, you know, say Russ or Schroeder gets hurt, knock on wood. Um, you have somebody who has proven he can play back a point guard, um, right there on your bench, ready to go. You don't have to sign somebody, um, you know, like a Norris Cole, like we had before, you don't have to call somebody up from the G league. You know, you have somebody ready to go right there and somebody you can trust. So I, you know, if he wants to be here, which, you know, like I said, I, I have no indication if he does or not, um, then I, you know, I think this is a good place for him to, you know, just ride out his career. Totally agreed. If, if he wants to be here, then I'm more than happy to have him. But if he wants to get playing time, I, I really like him. I, I hope, that he gets it. It's. I hope he gets whatever he wants. Yeah. I'll just say that. I hope Ray Felton succeeds in all things in life. <laughs> all right. Uh, Deontay Burton or Dennis Schroeder? Schroeder. Deontay Burton or Hamdou Diallo? Diallo. That's Man, I'm excited about him. I know you are too. I am. Yes, sir. And, you know, I think it speaks volumes just to the contract that he signed with the Thunder because it lines up with uh, the contracts that Russ, Paul, Jeremy – Steve uh, and, and Dre, you know, all time, like, you know, the, and Dennis, Dennis now. So, like, you know, those six or seven players are all locked up for the next three years. And, you know, that looks to be our window with this core. So, mm-hmm. I think it speaks volumes to how much they – how high they are in Hami. That they're like, we want you around for that – for those minutes, for those years. Yeah. Absolutely. And if you I, – I don't the, – the same place that you can see the videos of – Russell Westbrook and and various Thunder players have been there um, throughout the summer at Rico Hines at U- UCLA. Mm-hmm. There's a video on their stream of just like a 25-minute workout of Hamadou Diallo basically just knocking down threes. And I know they cut out the misses, but there was talk about a hitch in his shot. And I said from the beginning, I've seen the highlights, and I didn't really see it, and now I definitely don't see it. Like it it's gone. He, he looks confident. Hashtag lethal shooter. All right, moving on. Uh, <laughs> Dennis Schroeder or Ray Phelps? Schroeder. All right, Schroeder or Brandis? In my heart. What is it? Felton in my heart. Yeah. Schroeder or Brandis? Schroeder. Schroeder or Hami? Schroeder. All right. Uh, let's see here. Abdel Nader. Or TLC? Uh, whoever was after Abdel Nader. TLC. <laughs> no, that's fine. All right. So, <laughs> I think you're going to pick anybody over Nader, right? That's what I'm saying, yeah. Okay, cool. Because TLC was the guy you saw us on. So, I just had to get TLC a W there. <laughs> All right. Ray Felton or Abrinus? Felton. But that one's hard. All right. Ray Felton uh, or Fur. I change it. Change it to Abrinas. Okay. Ray Felton or Ferg? 
Bird, for sure. Ray Felton or Hami? Hami. All right, here we go. Here's a W for Ray. I feel like it anyways. Ray or TLC? TLC. Oh, my gosh. And it's about the youth and about controllability, right? The Sam Presti way. Like, Ray's got maybe two years left in his career. TLC's got a year or two left on his rookie contract, and then he becomes a restricted free agent. If anything happens with him, he's an asset immediately. Um, there you go. Ray took all L's there. So, uh, last one or no, not last one. I got three more. Dennis or TLC? I'm sorry. Dennis or TLC? Dennis. All right, here we go. Here's the hard ones. Russ or Paul? Russ. Paul. Come on, man. Paul That's or my guy. Steve. Paul or Steve? Oh no. Uh. Uh. Do I have to? Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, Steve. Oh, my gosh. Even in my heart and maybe even on the court. All right. Hey, I, I can't hate, man. I love Stephen Adams. And after reading this book, I love him even more. So, uh, well, I was going to say Steve or Dre, but if you picked him over Paul George, I guess the game's over. <laughs> Right, man. Um, nobody else on the roster I'd take over Paul George and there's nobody else on the roster I'd take over Steve so if really yeah. the rest of them that's the end so if I was going to play rank Stephen Dolan's play ranks it would be Russ, Steve Paul George I thought my feelings were involved <laughs> you, didn't, you, you didn't uh indicate what I was ranking them in I'll say it in a vacuum. Yeah, in a vacuum of what? My, my heart? <laughs> <laughs> vacuum of the space-time continuum, basically. <laughs> no, I mean, Paul George is the better player, but Steven Adams is also 24. So, All right, let me say this. Who's more important to the team? Not the organization, the basketball team. Paul George is more important to the team. Okay. That's true. Okay, cool. Cool, cool, cool. All right, last thing, man. Under miscellaneous. Oh, by the way, did you like that game? Yeah, it was fun. Yeah. It, uh... <laughs> Your question made it very challenging and also more entertaining. Yeah, I, I, feel, like, uh, I feel like you learned a lot about yourself there. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so listed under miscellaneous, your boy published his first ever article on Monday on now that's not basketball. Of the writers. Yes, sir. I'm following the illustrious crew. Um, (laughs) From an experienced writer such as yourself, briefly (laughs) critique it. What did you like and what did you not like so much? My first critique is you calling me an experienced writer, I guess. (laughs) (laughs) a little too much but uh so i you know man i love the tone it was very conversational it felt like i could hear you talking to me and i think that's that's something that every writer goes for when you're writing something uh the quoting kendrick lamar was awesome in the intro and the sign off that kind of bringing it full circle was great 
I really like that you crowdsourced all the questions, which is a great way to keep your readers engaged. Mm-hmm. Backed up all your opinions with stats, which is one of the harder things to do when you're writing an article. All right, man. I, I appreciate that. It means a lot to me. Now, 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 now just tear me down. I really only have one critique and that's not, it's honestly not even about you. It's, it's, well, it is, it's that you use that, uh, Russell Westbrook quote about my only friend is Spalding and it's because Russell Westbrook kind of co-opted that quote from love and basketball. And, you know, like as a writer, he can't be plagiarizing ideas like that, Russ. <laughs> I did. I did not even know that. I've seen that movie, but it was literally years ago. <laughs> yeah. It was like something like she was going to prom or prom was coming up and her mom, her sister or something was like, who are you taking to to prom? Are you taking Spalding? She's like, who's Spalding? And she's nodded at the basketball she carried around. So I, I'm on to you, Russ. I'm on to you. <laughs> All right, man. Well, I, I appreciate it. You know, like I said, you know, I, I really love your writing. Um, uh, you know, you, you knock yourself as an, an experienced writer, but you're experienced compared to me, and I adore your stuff. So your opinion means a lot to me. So I appreciate you saying that. Yeah, no problem. I meant every word of it. All right, man. Well, uh, you got anything else to talk about before we jump off here? Nope. No, I don't think so. I think I'm good. All right, man. Well, I appreciate you coming on the, uh, I guess, the official inaugural episode of Thunder Chats. I had an inaugural episode just to, you know, get distribution rolling, but this is the first one with some content on it. Uh, and, you know, I couldn't couldn't think of another person that I'd rather have on here. So uh, go ahead and plug your stuff, my man. Uh, you know, I'm on Twitter at Steve Thunderfan, just like it's spelled. No underscores are useless garbage. And I f- find me on thunderousintentions.com. We're doing good work over there and putting out constant content. And that is the only two places you can find me. <laughs> Well, let me just tell you, I feel attacked because I, in my personal handle, I have both an underscore and two numbers. So that useless garbage content hurt my heart. <laughs> just got to be a little more creative, man. <laughs> that That's literally my name in anything I have a username or email in. So, yeah. <laughs> All right, man. Well, uh, as I just said, you know, you can follow me at the underscore 108 um, with the useless garbage and the underscore 108. And you can follow the podcast at Thunder Chats. Um, it's not just podcasts. I post opinions, polls. Um, I, I I try to be as interactive as I can with everybody who mentions me. So, uh, you know, if, if you slide into my mentions, I will respond to you uh, immediately as long as I'm not asleep. Um, but, yeah, I try to pride myself to be one of the more interactive Thunder uh, Twitter people in addition to Steve Thunderfan over here. Um, yeah. if, if I might add to that, I – this might be the first time that you're getting listeners who don't follow you on Twitter. And I fully support anyone listening, following at Thunder Chats. He's a great follow and I enjoy everything he brings to my timeline. There we go. Look at that. Now you was talking about me making you blush with the intro. You're making me blush with the outro. So full circle. <laughs> yeah. Full circle. Just like we said. All right, guys. Well, uh, That is it. That was Steve Dolan of Thunderous Intentions. This was the first episode of Thunder Chats. Hope you guys liked it. Uh, Hope you guys enjoyed it. Leave us a five-star rating in iTunes because I'm on that now. 
uh, leave a positive review. Uh, please keep it clean. <laughs> we had some issues on the Stat Chasers podcast, so I'm not going to get into that. Just, you know, leave a positive review, leave a five-star rating, and that means a lot to me and greatly appreciate it. Y'all have a great night. God bless. This has been Thunder Chats. Ho! Oh!